Our scripture passage for today comes from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. <clears throat> Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despise all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome all of you here to our in-person service. And those of you who are visiting us as our guest, welcome. Thank you for accepting the invitation of a friend co-worker, sibling, uh, whatever connection you may have, we're so honored that you're here with us today. And of course, we're so honored to have you join us on our live stream through our YouTube page. Welcome NCF Online and those who you've uh, shared this video with. Would you now bow your heads and pray with me as we ask for God's blessing. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your grace, your mercy would be upon us for Lord, we are in desperate need of it. There is not a day, there is not an hour, there is not a second to where we are not in constant need of your provision, your protection, your promises to be upon us, to guard us, and to lead us in the ways of truth, the ways of righteousness. And Lord, we know so often that we do not heed the guidance that you give in your word. But Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would humble us and convict us, bringing us back to our right senses so that we can truly follow the God who is righteous. Lord, we pray that in spite of all the challenges and circumstances that we find ourselves in, that we can come here in the presence of our God gathered amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that you will speak. And through your words, we find joy, we find peace, we find hope, we find you. And so, Lord, now we pray that you will bless this message in spite of the one who brings it. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> Let me ask, have you ever regretted not taking an opportunity that was given to you? Have you ever regretted not taking an opportunity that was given to you? You ever sometimes wish you could go back in time and say yes to something or someone that you said no to? Me? I have a lot of them. One in particular, Korean language school. Korean language school. You see, growing up as a little toddler, my mother wanted to ensure that her son retained the native tongue of their ethnic heritage. And so my mom enrolled me into Saturday morning Korean school, and I hated it. 
And I let her know how much I hated it. Every Saturday morning as I got into the car, I would complain. I would bemoan like, oh, mom, why am I going to this Korean language school? I hate it there. The teachers are so mean. They cook smelly food. The teacher's always hitting me. (laughs) We're living in America. And after about a year of complaining and bemoaning like this, at one point she just let out an aspirated sigh. Oh, fine. If you want to quit Korean language school, go ahead and quit. To which I gleefully responded, really? And she said, yes, you may quit. But then she said these ominous words, but when you regret this decision, and you will, don't come crying to me. Do you understand? And I said, okay. Only to come to find that I wasn't okay. Because here I am now in 2021, married to a Korean wife, father of five Korean kids, wishing that I've taken that opportunity that my mother gave me all those years ago. And of course, it doesn't help when my own children say to me, I want to learn Korean, Daddy. Kind of like, you failed, right? Now, in the grand scheme of things, me not taking advantage of that opportunity, it's not going to ruin my life. It's not going to destroy me. And I would venture to guess the same is true for all of the missed opportunities that you did not choose to take, right? Chances are you're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be ruined for all missed opportunities that pass by your life. Unless, of course, you're talking about the one exception to that rule. And, of course, I'm speaking of wisdom. Wisdom. We're continuing our sermon series through the book of Proverbs entitled The Pursuit of Wisdom. And the whole point of this series is to focus on one of the most neglected things in life that causes so many to hurt as well as their loved ones to hurt, and that is failing to take the opportunity of cultivating wisdom. And it is my hope and prayer that as we go through this series in Proverbs, you will find the conviction, you will find the desire of making the most of every opportunity that you have of learning and applying as much wisdom as possible. And today we continue with that in mind of talking about the cries of wisdom. Solomon, the author of this passage, is going to teach us about what wisdom is crying out. Why? So that if we hear and heed the cries of wisdom, we will be crying less and less. So with that in mind, three things I want to share with you with regard to the cries of wisdom. First, we're going to talk about what wisdom is crying out. Then we're going to talk about why wisdom's cries are ignored. And then we're going to end it with how we can respond to wisdom's cries. What it's crying out, why her cries are ignored, and how we can respond to the cries of wisdom. Let's begin with the first point, what wisdom is crying out. You know, when most people think of the word wisdom, they tend to think of it as simply a synonym for other words like brilliant, genius, you know, smart. And therefore, when they imagine a wise person, they tend to imagine a person who's very, very intelligent, maybe even highly educated with a lot of letters behind their name, MD, PhD, JD, CEO, what have you. But according to Proverbs, that is not what it means to be wise. Evidenced by what it says in verse 21 and 22. Read it again with me. As it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate she speaks. Now notice the locations where wisdom is screeching her voice. Where is she crying out? She's crying out in the streets. She's crying out in the market. She's crying out the head of noisy streets. She's crying out in the marketplace. Now, what do these four locations all have in common? Give up? They're all public spaces. 
In fact, they're not just any public spaces. They're the most accessible public spaces where anyone from any walk of life could easily go in and out of however they want to please. Solomon is saying this is the general location where wisdom is heard and wisdom is found. Now think about that. According to Solomon, wisdom is not found in those closed-off lecture halls of private elite institutions where only the rich and famous can go to. Wisdom is not found in those high, mighty ivory towers of libraries that only the genius can have membership to. No, wisdom is found in the everyday places of everyday people. And when you understand that, then you understand what wisdom really is. It's basically this. Wisdom is the practical knowledge excuse me, wisdom is the practical skill of applying knowledge to every area of life to where your whole life is safe, stable, successful, and satisfying. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the practical skill of applying knowledge to every area of your life that results in your whole life being safe, stable, successful, and satisfying. Let me prove this to you by taking a closer look at some of the locations that wisdom is found first let's consider the streets solomon says that wisdom is crying out in the streets now it would be helpful to know that the word streets in the original hebrew is for the word bahus bahus which literally means outside the house door here's what you need to know in the ancient world there was no such thing as a sidewalk there was nothing that separated the house from the street the moment you open the front door of a house back then and as soon as you cross the threshold of that door, you were on the street, okay? So when Solomon is saying that wisdom is needed on the border that your children have to cross to go out into the real world, Solomon is saying is that if you want to have a safe, if you want to have a secure, if you want to have a successful family life, you need wisdom. Wisdom is so crucial, it is so important, it is so relevant for you to have a safe, stable, successful family life. But not just family life, for consider the other location Solomon speaks of, the marketplace. Now, you don't have to know any Hebrew to know what he means by that. What is the marketplace? The market or the marketplace is the place where there's business and commerce. It's the place where companies get started, where deals are made, where employees are hired. It's where people work. And when Solomon says the market is also crying out for the need of wisdom, Solomon is saying if you want to have a very prosperous, if you want to have a very productive working life, then you need wisdom as well. Wisdom is so crucial when it comes to a successful working life. Now let's consider another location that he speaks of, the entrance of the city gates. Did you know that in the ancient world, it was at the entrance of the city gates where all the officials, all the leaders of society met and deliberated on issues of economics, politics, cultural issues, where policies were made. In other words, it was the hub of leaders. It was the place where leadership was executed. And Solomon is saying that if you want to be a successful leader, whether it's leading your home, leading your company, leading yourself, you need wisdom as well because wisdom is crying out in that location too. So putting all this together, we can easily discern what wisdom's cry is. You know what it is? Wisdom is basically saying, I am relevant to every single one of you. 
I am relevant. Wisdom is relevant to every single one of you. See, Solomon is trying to shatter the stereotype that says that wisdom is only the concern of those cerebral, theoretical philosophers who only want to read books and talk about abstract things all the time. No. Solomon is saying it doesn't matter if you're a white-collar guy, a blue-collar girl. It doesn't matter if you're educated, uneducated, Republican, uh, Democrat, practically-minded, philosophically-minded. Wisdom is relevant to every single one of you, which means what? If you want to have a life that is successful, that's safe, that's stable, that's satisfying, then you need wisdom, period. No compromise, no negotiation. That is what is required. And yet here we'll see in just a moment, Solomon is going to say that so often so many constantly turn a deaf ear to the cries of wisdom. And the question is why? Well, the answer leads me to my next point. Why wisdom's cries are ignored. Read again with me verses 22 to 23. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Okay, pause right there. Here Solomon identifies three common reasons why people ignore the cries of wisdom. And notice how he explains these reasons by describing them as three types of people. First, there is the simple, then there is the scoffer, and then there is what I call the rejecter of reproof. Let's quickly go through them, and as I do, consider which of these maybe describes you. Let's begin with the simple. Who is Solomon describing when he refers to the simple? Is he referring to those types of people who kind of have plain, unsophisticated taste, people who don't have much demand at all when it comes to life? Is that what he means? Not at all. That is not the simple. The simple are those who refuse to live hard but necessary lives. Let me say that again. Those who are simple are those who refuse to do hard. Hold on. That's my son, by the way. He's, he's getting the hang of it. Please excuse him. But the simple are those who refuse to do hard but difficult things like serving, sacrificing, and sharing, right? And instead, they're driven by the mottos of FOMO, the fear of missing out, or YOLO, you only live once. I'm talking about the teenager who pursues unnecessary drama because it makes him feel important. I'm talking about that 20-something who's so compelled to partying it up and hooking up because that's what makes him feel significant. I'm talking about that 30 to 40-something who is so competitively ambitious because all they care about is making the most amount of money before anybody else. I'm talking about that 50 to 6-year-old who has the midlife crisis, buys the sports car, leaves his wife and kids, and runs off with the secretary. The simple are those who refuse or avoid obligations, responsibilities, and duties because they want to be free of concern, specifically the concern of others. And for people like that, wisdom, they're never going to pursue it because in their minds, wisdom would cause their life to be boring, bland, and basic, and so they avoid it at all costs. That is the simple. Now let's move on to the scoffer. Now who in the world is the scoffer? Well, It's the person who scoffs. But what does it mean to scoff? You look that word up in the standard dictionary, and it literally means to make fun of. So the scoffer is a person who makes fun of others. Now think back. 
in your life, at the people who scoffed at you. Do you remember those people? Of course you do. How could you ever forget? How could you ever forget that jock or the pretty girl along with their gangs bullying you and your friends in school? How can you forget that random stranger calling you chink and going ching chong ching chong as you're minding your own business going to work or going to school? Who can forget, you know, that passive-aggressive coworker who's constantly telling you through their actions, you are beneath me, I am better than you? Who could forget that quote-unquote friend of yours who calls you choir boy or church girl because you take your faith so seriously? See, the scoffer is the too-cool-for-school cat. That is the person who is so driven of maintaining a certain persona, a certain image that in their mind will cause them to be popular, to be, what, credible, to be respectable, right? And therefore, for them, wisdom, they're not going to pursue it because wisdom in their minds is cheesy, it's corny, and if they ever pursued wisdom, they would fear losing all that popularity, respectability, and credibility, and so they avoid it at all costs. That is the scoffer. Which leads us to the final person that Solomon talks about, the rejecter of reproof. Who's this person? Well, take a closer listen to what he says about such people, verse 24, 25, and 29 and 30. I read, Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof turns out the rejecter of reproof is a person who rejects counsel is the person who rejects knowledge let me ask does that remind you of a kind of person that either you know of or that you personally met before doesn't it kind of remind you of the i did it my way person do you guys know that song i did it my way sung by the iconic frank sinatra the song goes like this I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, a too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and stood tall, and I did it my way. You know, when you hear the song sung by Sinatra's melodic voice accompanied by the majestic symphonic orchestra, you can't help but to get inspired by the song. But when you just read the lyrics as I just did to you, you see very clearly who the rejecter of reproof is. It's the person who's so stubborn in their ways, right? It's the person who always has to make sure that the way they do things is how it should always be done as far as they're concerned. And for them, wisdom, they will never consider wisdom because if they did, that means they have to be open to being questioned, of being challenged, of being corrected. And that's not simply the way of this kind of fool. No, their way is the only way, and therefore they will never go the way of wisdom. So there you have it. The three common reasons personified by three types of people that are constantly refusing to hear the cry of wisdom. The simple, the scoffer, the rejecter of reproof. Here's my question. 
Which of these three do you find yourself most relating to? Or maybe a more accurate question to ask is, which of these three have you been most recently? Because let's be brutally honest, I think all of us would have to admit that we at different moments and times of our lives, and I don't mean throughout years, I mean within days, have exhibited these various kinds of folly, have we not? Who among us can't confess that at times we've been like the simple where we're driven by FOMO or YOLO? Who among us can't confess that we've been like the scoffer where we do act like we're too cool for school around certain types of people, not giving them the kind of respect that they deserve as a fellow human being? Who among us can't confess that we have not been the rejecter of reproof, where we've been called out, where we've been challenged, but we think to ourselves, hey, I'm still going to do it my way, right? All of us at some point have rotated these various kinds of foolish personalities deep within our hearts and exhibited to the people around us. And as a result, we look at our lives. It's not as safe. It's not as stable. It's not as satisfying. It's not as fulfilling as it could be. Oh, yeah, we could blame other people as to why our lives lack those things. But if we were truly honest, we would know that a big part of the reason why we lack those things right now is because of us. We're still not heeding or hearing the cries of wisdom. And the question is, how do we change that? Well, this leads me to my final point, which is how we can respond to wisdom's cries. Let's read our passage starting in verse 25. We read, Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Here Solomon describes the consequences people suffer when they ignore the cries of wisdom. And when you first read it, you can't help but to feel like wisdom is kind of cold-blooded, right? <laughs> because what does wisdom say it's going to do when people suffer the consequences of ignoring it. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When distress and anguish comes upon you and you will call, I won't answer. You can't help but to think, dang, wisdom, why are you so mean? Why are you so vicious? How can you be so cold-blooded like this? But you have to remember, wisdom is not an actual person, Okay. There is no real person out there laughing at the expense of someone suffering for their own foolishness or stupidity. No, Solomon instead, he's describing the mindset of a person as they suffer the consequences of ignoring wisdom. They feel like the world is laughing at them. They feel like the whole world is mocking them. They feel utter humiliation and shame, and as a result, they feel like the greatest reject in the world. And as a result, they feel like they cannot do anything right. Have you ever had a day where you felt like you could not do anything right? Every mistake that could happen you were making, every offense that you could possibly do, you do end up doing, every sort of dissatisfaction that you can cause the people around you, you end up doing. Have you ever had one of those days? I'm sure you did, and I'm sure it wasn't nearly as bad as it was. But here Solomon is saying is that when you ignore wisdom long enough, that will be your perpetual mindset. I can't get anything right. I can't do anything right. 
I am what is so wrong with the world. And you're going to feel so caught off from wisdom. And therefore, you're going to feel undeserving of all the benefits that wisdom gives you. A life of safety, a life of stability, a life of success, a life of satisfaction. And you're going to just feel like the greatest perpetrator of evil of all. And therefore, you should be rejected by all. What do you do when you get into a state of mind as a result of all the mistakes and all the hurt that you have caused because of your foolishness? Is there any hope for people like that? Well, the Bible says yes, but it won't be found here in Proverbs 1. You have to fast forward to the New Testament where the Apostle Paul tells us the remedy for such people in such situations. In 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 21, we read, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he had used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolishness to the Jews who ask for signs and from heaven and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom so when we preach that Christ was crucified the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense but to those called by God to salvation both Jews and Gentiles Christ is a power of God and the wisdom of God this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths here Paul tells us what the person who feels wisdom is not hearing their cry should do they should hear the cries from the cross in other words a person who feels that wisdom has cut them off and therefore are undeserving of life they need to hear the gospel the gospel now what is the gospel the gospel is the message that says god should treat you the way you think wisdom is treating you and that is god should cut you off he should reject you he should humiliate you he should shame you for all the ways that you've lived, the simple life, the scoffing life, the life that rejected reproof. Right? God should treat you the way you think wisdom should, has treated you. But he doesn't. God instead comes after you. He pursues you by becoming a man, Jesus Christ. Why? So he could suffer the full payment, the full punishment of all of your foolish ways for all the ways that you've lived simply for all the ways that you have scoffed for all the ways that you've rejected reproof jesus took all of that rejection upon himself and in exchange what did he give to you he gave to you all the honor all the acceptance all the approval that he earned by living the wisest life ever and he gives it to you you see what happens when you believe in jesus as your lord and savior is a great exchange when you put your faith in Jesus, it's kind of like when you marry a person. When you marry someone, and let's say you're incredibly poor and the person you marry is incredibly rich, isn't there an exchange that happens? Your spouse is now legally obligated to pay off all your debt, but legally all of your spouse's riches become legally yours. This is beautiful, great exchange. When you put your faith in Jesus, that same exchange happens. All of the reasons to why you should be rejected, all of the reasons why you should be scrutinized and humiliated that was given to jesus and in return he gave you the acceptance of god that he earned for you by living the wisest life and when you understand that that is what gives you the sense of acceptance that sense of approval so that you know you have a justification to live you know you have nothing to be ashamed of you know 
that you can finally pursue wisdom. Because no longer will you feel cut off from wisdom because your mind has changed. No longer do you feel that you're unworthy of wisdom because of the fact that God has found worth in you through his son. When you feel that sense of acceptance and approval through the blood of Jesus, it's going to clear your mind and you're going to able to see the truth. You're able to pursue a life of wisdom. You're able to become wise. No longer self-condemning, self-rejecting, self-loathing thoughts for all your mistakes. They've all been paid for. And now you can have the clarity of mind, the conscious free life of being able to say, you know what? I can grow into this. I can become wise. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've hurt others. But because I've been forgiven and because I'm approved by the only person that really matters, God, I can now face this life with the charge of becoming wiser and wiser so long as I remember who I am in Jesus. This is how you hear the cries of wisdom. You must first hear the cries of Jesus for you on the cross where he says, you are loved, you are approved, therefore you're not a mistake, and yet your life is worth living out. So now live it out by hearing the cries of wisdom and be wise. This is how sinners become wise people. This is how fools gain knowledge. By first hearing the cries from the cross that frees your mind so that you can now pursue the cries of wisdom. Do you see that? I pray that you do. Let's pray now. Father, we ask that as we look back in our lives and all the regrets and all the things that at times even make us cry, Lord, help us to remember the cries of our Lord Jesus on the cross, the cries that claim that we are accepted, that we are approved, and therefore we are not the greatest rejects of the world, and therefore we no longer have to be filled with guilt or shame as if the whole world is mocking us and laughing at our expense. Help us instead to have this assurance that we have by your acceptance of us to be able to pursue wisdom, no longer feeling like we're disqualified, no longer feeling like we don't deserve to pursue wisdom. Father, it is because of your approving love of us through Jesus that we can indeed pursue wisdom. And so, Lord, help us to do that now as we think about the ways in which we want to live a life that is blessed but also a blessing to those around us. Help us to strive for a life that is stable, that is safe, that is successful and satisfying, not only for our sake, but for the sake of those that we love who are impacted by our lives. Help us to live out this truth. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.